You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Imagine this. You've worked for more than 20 years at a chain pharmacy, and you've decided it isn't for you anymore. What do you do? Well, if you're Wes Hickman, you quit and open your own independent pharmacy. Next on Locked on Pharmacy, a conversation with Wes Hickman. You are listening to the Locked on Pharmacy podcast, the insider's view into the world of pharmacy. Hello, this is Frank Fortin with the American Pharmacists Association. In January 2020, a front page article in the New York Times by Ellen Gabler hit the pharmacy profession like a thunderbolt. Its headline was, How Chaos at Chain Pharmacies is Putting Patients at Risk. For many pharmacists, every word of it rang true, and it propelled Wes Hickman from obscurity to pharmacy celebrity. His posts on the social media platform Reddit, announcing his decision to go out on his own, caught the attention of the New York Times. His experiences gave voice to the frustrations and fears of so many people like him. Wes is now the sole proprietor of an independent pharmacy bearing his name in Leland, North Carolina, just outside of Wilmington. I spoke with him recently on a weekday morning as he was preparing to open his pharmacy and serve the people of the town where he was raised and still lives. So Wes, uh, welcome to the program. Um, you have a claim to fame that not many pharmacists in America have, which is you became famous in a New York Times article in January of 2020. Tell us the story of uh, how you got to that point, um, your career that led you to the point where you became um, a prominent part of uh, a New York Times landmark story, actually. I'd have to correct you there. I think the term would be infamous at this point in time with <laughs> some of the so, some of the pharmacy chains and so on and so forth. But um, how that all kind of came into being um, was it, I'd been working with uh, CVS at the time for 21 years, I believe. Um, so I had a lot of time invested with the company and, and I'd seen things as far as the operation in the pharmacy and, and staffing and, and volume that you have to fill um, per hour worked, um, just going downhill uh, over that course of 21 years. And uh, it just got to the point where I was filling 500 to 550 prescriptions in a 13 hour shift with, uh, with no overlap. And I, I brought all that uh, to my boss's attention, to the re- regional manager's attention. And it basically just got stonewalled every single time I'd bring it up. And, uh, you know, it wasn't to make my life easier. It was a patient safety issue. And the fact that I thought that no matter how good I was at my job, I'm eventually going to hurt somebody and, and cause harm to a patient. So um, I think when you're blowing the whistle on yourself, that that should really, you know, raise some red flags and it didn't. Um, so uh, December 28th, actually back to December 27th, I wrote a letter to the Board of Pharmacy in North Carolina um, trying to find out what we could do to, to alleviate some of these issues or, or what we could do to attack that. Um, met no response. And, and that was really disheartening. Um, the next day was the same situation. I'm filling over 500 prescriptions uh, in 13 hours. And at, at 7 p.m., I, I just had had enough. I, I didn't think I could safely take care of the patients that were coming to me um, with having no other technician on staff for the last two hours of my day. So I just, you know, I said, this is the way it's been going for 21 years. It's time for me to do it myself. And I, I started the journey on um, my way to independent pharmacy. 
And you did it um, by announcing it to the world. How did you do that? <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, the, the story kind of started off on Reddit, um, where I was posting um, information about, you know, leaving uh, CBS at the time, the conditions um, at the time, just to kind of put my voice out into the wild to see, you know, are there other people like me? If there are other people like me, that there is a way out. Um, and then that slowly morphed into, okay, here's a picture of the pharmacy I'm building. And, and here's a picture of the shelves going in and, and so on and so forth. So it, Ellen Gabler, I guess, had heard enough from other pharmacists that she saw some truth in my story and, and decided to reach out and, and thought it would be worth telling. And um, it, lo and behold, uh, it became <laughs> what it was, uh, where it made the front page of the New York Times, which was really awesome that, you know, she was able to, to give volume to my voice to allow it to get out there and say, hey, there, there is an opportunity in independent pharmacy that way. How did your life change when the article came out? <laughs> um, I had people come out of the woodwork I haven't talked to in ages. Um, that, that was the first thing. I, I probably had, I would say, 10 telephone calls that first day <laughs> that it came out to the pharmacy uh, of people that I didn't even know just, you know, saying, hey, thank you for doing what you're doing. Thank you for putting your voice behind you know the, the travesty that's occurring in our in our profession right now um that felt really good i have to say and, and that's been one of the most unexpected positives out of all this is you know, emerging as somewhat of a voice for my peers uh, that, that are going through the same thing and and trying to fight the good fight you know with them and for them um with, with the infamy that i now have from the article <laughs> So um, one of the things that struck me about your story is that you're starting an independent pharmacy. You have started an independent pharmacy at a time when independent pharmacies are struggling. What's that been like? It's, it's been tough. Um, the first year is in any kind of a new business is tough in general. Um, I, I've always heard and, and now I'm living it. Um, I would say the biggest thing that we have to fight in the... It, the struggle of opening up your own independent isn't getting the patients in the door. The patients want the, the personal experience. The patients want to, you know, know their pharmacist, know they're not rushing through their prescription. So, you know, getting patients has not been the issue. It's been, you know, the restrictive nature of PBM contracts. Um, that's number one. Uh, the biggest employer in our area is actually Duke Energy. Um, and they have an exclusive contract with uh, CVS Caremark that prohibits them from the, the employees there from coming to my pharmacy, which is really unfortunate because my father-in-law is, is one of those in, employees. So that, that does make it really tough whenever, you know, your biggest employer in the, in the county is, you know, not somebody that you can do business with on a pharmacy, even if they, they wanted to. Um, reimbursements, uh, when, when you see a negative reimbursement come across the screen, that's one of those ones that you just really shake your head and like, how can, another human being do this to another human being. I, I guess business is business and I, I get that, but to not even be reimbursed for the cost of the bottle or the software that you're using to fill said prescription, um, it, 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 it's frustrating to say the least. Now, some prescriptions you'll get a random $100 reimbursement and then that's, you know, it's almost like going to Vegas every day when you hit that that submit button or that uh, adjudication button. It's it's it shouldn't be that way. It should be, in my personal opinion, a straight fee for service that we're providing a service for filling a prescription. We should get a certain dollar amount for filling that prescription um, to cover our overhead, so on and so forth. It's just 
that's not the world the PBMs live in. They, they've got this pricing wall that you can't see behind and they consider that proprietary. And I don't know about anybody else, but if you go from non-existence really 20 years ago to being three of the Fortune 20 companies, I don't see how you're doing something that is exactly on the up and up, if, if you want my personal opinion. And there's no predictability to it, it's from, uh, from what I gather here. None, no, 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 absolutely none. Um, you, you'll get a random, uh, <laughs> a, a random Callista Paul prescription you might make a hundred bucks on, and you're like, why did I get a hundred dollars for putting a label on that and checking interactions and having an interaction with my customer? That's not worth what I'm getting. But more times than not, it's the it's the negative or the the ten cent reimbursement that you see that you just shake your head at and wonder how long can this keep going on? And I know I'm in a state that's not as bad as some of the others as far as reimbursements go. So I worry, but I have faith in my ability to bring patients and overcome that with, with volume of, of sort. So that, that's kind of how I've operated. I run lean. Um, it's just me, my wife, and uh, my lead technician. Uh, so we have made it work so far. So, <laughs> so far, so good. So despite all that, do you, uh, you've had light, you had 20 years, 21 years life in a chain pharmacy and a little less than a year in an independent pharmacy. What's the difference between the two lives? Um, I'm me again. Um, that's number one. I'm, ha I'm happy. Um, I, I find the biggest difference is my life outside of work. Um, I work more. I'm always here, but it, it's become a labor of love again. It, it's, it's, I don't want to sound trite in saying this, but it, I feel like that's what God put me on this earth to do is to, to help patients, to give good pharmaceutical knowledge, because that, that's my wheelhouse. That's what I know. Um, and, and to do it in a way that the patient feels happy and confident whenever they leave here, that they've got good information from you and that they can trust you. Um, that's what I have again. I, I didn't have that at, at CVS anymore because I was so worried about putting the wrong pills in the bottle whenever you're checking them at one every minute and 30 seconds while answering the telephone, you know, counseling, running the register. It, it, just to, to have that feeling again of being a pharmacist and having that impact, it, it's, worth, it, it's, it's worth more than I can explain. That's amazing. Well, you started your pharmacy in a very auspicious time, <laughs> yes. um, to, put, to, to put it mildly. What's that been like? Um, honestly, it's been, it's been good. Um, it's surprisingly, I, I didn't think it, it would be, we'd be doing as well as we are. Um, we had a slight dip in April, um, as far as our prescription volume goes, but we had a really good March it, it, people were trying to load up before the pandemic. So, um, it, it kind of caught us off cycle and now we're kind of normalizing slowly back again to where it's more the typical volume rush that I would see from a, a chain pharmacy. Um, but uh, th those lean times, whenever it, it hit in April, I was like, okay, is this a downward trend now? You know, I've invested everything into this. Is this going to be something that wipes out my patient population or knocks out a good portion of them? I, so many unknowns, I would say. And, and that's, that was the biggest struggle I would say during COVID. Um, but today, actually, uh, or yesterday, um, one of my technicians, uh, we, we quarantined her because her husband had a positive COVID contact. So one of the things now I'm working through is how do you now operate a pharmacy in the situation where you're running lean with your, your staff, um, making things operate smoothly and, and continue to go, which 
I'm kind of used to because I worked in a chain pharmacy for 21 years. I'm used to working under uh, those circumstances. So thank you for, for that experience, at least my, my former employer. Um, but, you know, that's um, that, that's how it's been during COVID. It's been the downtime in the beginning, but um, starting to roar back again. So I'm really happy. And plus, we're part of the CESPN uh, USA network. So we're going to be doing um, the hope, well, hopefully the, the Moderna virus or the um, or Moderna vaccine and the uh, Pfizer vaccine. One of those hopefully will make it to market and we'll be able to give that very shortly. And there's the AstraZeneca one, which uh, it, uh, news about that came yesterday, the day the day before we re were recording this. So there'll probably be uh, maybe more than three available. Um, okay. that, uh, yeah, um, absolutely. Um, the uh, well, one of the things in um, hearing your story uh, when we spoke before, uh, to set up this 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 uh, conversation was uh, your roots in the community. It seems like that's a ne necessary precondition for setting up an independent pharmacy like yours. It is. Um, I would say that's probably the most crucial component because word of mouth is uh, the best advertiser you, you can have. Um, so that's, uh, I actually grew up in the community that I, I live in. I, I grew up in the county here. So I've made a lot of contacts as I've grown through high school, through college, um, you know, moving into a, a new neighborhood, you know, you meet all your neighbors and kind of get to know everybody through that. But then also having my pharmacy, the the former pharmacy I worked at in my neighborhood really made a big difference because it's a neighborhood pharmacy and I treated it like an independent pharmacy. I, I always tried to operate it as such. Um, if patients, you know, would call me or text me at you know, 12 o'clock at night and I was awake, they get a response. That's just how, how I felt that business should be operated and how to generate a, a successful business. So the, the community contacts are most definitely uh, the most crucial aspect of, of having your own business, I would say, is having that already established. Wes, one of the uh, things that struck me about what you said earlier in our conversation was that the uh, State Board of Pharmacy um, wasn't, uh, didn't seem to be taking your complaint seriously, or at least not responsive to it. Um, what can you say about that? Uh, well, I, I can actually say a lot about that. Um, I actually messaged the Board of Pharmacy before I left my job because I wanted to try to resolve this through the avenues that you know I had available to me so that it wouldn't be leaving a job of 21 years. I, I didn't wholly want to do that, um, but I'm, I'm glad I did in retrospect. Um, the board didn't respond. Um, it took a week of, um, a week later I responded to them again. I said, hey, I don't know if you guys, you know, due to the holiday, didn't see this, but you know I can actually speak a lot more freely now, now that I'm no longer employed and laid it all out basically how unsafe filling 550 prescriptions in 13 hours is. Um, I was quickly emailed back. I would say within 10 minutes, uh, I got an email back from the executive director of the Board of Pharmacy and uh, was told to give him a call. So I thought that was, you know, a little interesting that instead of an email, I, I now have a telephone call. So of course, the executive director tells you to call him, you pick up the telephone and you call him. Um, and I was quickly told that it is not the position of the board to intervene in intra-company disputes. That's the literal wording that I was told. And I implored that this is not an intra-company dispute. It's a patient safety issue through and through. Um, the executive director's point was that there is no issue uh, that I'm recording as far as uh, patient harm that's occurred. Um, I'm free to file a report if I feel that there is unsafe working conditions and he will be happy to investigate but based off my word there's nothing that they could do 
legally to pursue action. So I, I kind of got disheartened with that because I'd, I'd done my research and I don't think you'd realize that at that point in time. Um, there's actually already statute in North Carolina. Um, it's CVS versus the North Carolina Board of Pharmacy. It was in the North Carolina Court of Appeals in 2004 that established that the board does have the right to basically govern um, the amount of prescriptions that can be filled in a day by a pharmacist. They, they established that, that ruling. Now, that number is, isn't defined, but if it contributes to a patient harm event, then that is something that is under the board's purview. They can, you know, cause, a, a, I guess, assess a penalty to the uh, permit holder. Um, so that, knowing that in my back pocket, I, I brought that back up and he didn't really address that issue at all. And, and then reiterated that it's not the position of the board that intervene in intercompany disputes. Um, that being said, one week later, a patient reached out to me, a former patient, and told me that her daughter had received allergy medication for, I'm sorry, received blood pressure medication for her allergy pills. Um, the board of pharmacy came in and investigated that incident cited the pharmacist and the technician, not the store that filled over 400 prescriptions that day with, with one pharmacist. So that really just showed me there, they had no interest in, in governing um, that aspect that's already established in law, that that could be a contributing factor um, to patient harm. And subsequently, why I decided to run for the Board of Pharmacy in, in 2021. Well, that kind of decision flies in the face of uh standard practice one of the maxims of patient safety is it's usually not a at the root of it is a system issue not a personal responsibility issue although a person might have been at the nexus of the mistake it's a system that uh, let may have led to that it, it's, it's always back to the five whys when you're doing root cause analysis and i it's right. it's something i have picked up from my time with a corporation but i i do feel there is truth in that that if you dig down and ask five whys, you usually can get to the root cause of an issue that you need to address. And I feel like that is not even being even on the radar of the North Carolina Board of Pharmacy. And for that matter, you know, across the, well, I'd say 49 states, it seems like uh, Marty in Oklahoma is doing a good job over there holding their feet to the fire. But, you know, I'd like to see more of that. I, I want to see more, you know, pharmacists stepping up and defending their profession, defending their license and defending their patients ultimately, because corporations care about money. They care about the bottom line and the dollar more than they care about their patients' lives, even though their, slog their slogans and mottos may say different. It's all about paying the shareholder at the end of the day. And I, I really want to see that practice change and get back to where we're the ones in charge of our profession r rather than MBAs and bean counters. Wes, um, I'd like to wrap up with... Um... If you were to um, speak to someone were to come to you, a pharmacist were to come to you and say, I'm thinking about following in the footsteps that you did, that um, um, I'd, I'd rather not work in a chain pharmacy anymore. I'd like to set up on my own. What advice would you give him or her? The first question I'd ask is, are you ready to give your whole life to your project? Are, are you ready to live it? Um, if they say can say yes to that and I believe them, then I'd say go for it. Um, live your dream because you get one shot at life. You, you have one opportunity to make a difference. And I can tell you, I've made a difference in pharmacist lives that I've never even met that have reached out to me since I've, I've done what I've done. It's, if you can make an impact on, on your patient's life and do it in the right way, do whatever you can do to make that happen. Believe in yourself and make that happen. That's what I would say. Sounds like you have no regrets. 
not at all, not once. Great. Wes Heckman, thank you very much for joining us um, from Leland, me. North Carolina, um, the beautiful coast of uh, North Carolina. And uh, I hope you got you have a great day and um, a wonderful holiday season. You as well. That's it for this edition of Locked on Pharmacy. This is Frank Fortin for the American Pharmacists Association. Thank you for listening. This podcast has been brought to you by the American Pharmacists Association the largest professional association of pharmacists in the United States.